1: with his own nicotine pouches.
2: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
3: Van Gisbergen and one more time, out onto Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, Illinois. That is turn seven. He's through it, and he's through it cleanly. Now the right-hand run through turn number eight. The left-hand turn nine. The right-hand turn ten. He's all alone and headed to turn number 11.
4: Underbreaking setting up for turn number 11. The fans in the massive grandstands waving their way to give him the encouragement he needs. He's clean off 11. Up the hill. Headed for turn number 12. He'll stand on the brakes. Downshift. Here's the car. Sets it cleanly. Checkered flag in the air. In his first ever NASCAR Cup Series start. Shane Van Gisbergen, the New Zealand driver, wins on the
5: streets of Chicago. Congratulations. Can you even describe your thoughts, your emotions right now? No, it's a well-wind um, Unbelievable. Thank you so much to this team and
4: The elation here, like, what a a feeling.
2: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host,
6: Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as... We wrap up a wild weekend in Chicago, a first ever weekend for the sport making history with the Chicago street course race. And of course, we're going to bask in the glow of that while at the same time, prepare to make a run to Georgia and the Atlanta Motor Speedway plus the Mid-Ohio sports car course this weekend. Coming up on the show, we'll give you a brand new MRN backtracks and we'll have it from Racing weekend in Chicago. We'll cover it from basically soup to nuts, beginning to end, as it were. Coming up on this week's show, we'll give you a brand new MRN backtracks. We'll cover that Chicago street course race from beginning to end. Also coming up, we'll chat with the crew chief for Trackhouse Racing's Project 91 effort, Darian Grubb. He'll stop by. Given that today is Independence Day, we'll look back at some of the best NASCAR moments to take place on the 4th of July. We'll also hear what the drivers are saying ahead of the first night race at the newly revamped Atlanta Motor Speedway. We'll chat with the crew chief for Corey LaJoy, Ryan Sparks. He had a chance to visit with our crew called duo of Steve Post and Todd Gordon. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle? Thanks, Mike. The Solid Rock
7: Carriers Cars Tour has announced that former NASCAR Cup Series Assistant Director Kip Childress will join the organization as the Series Executive Director. Effective immediately, Childress will work alongside Series Director Jack McNeely in overseeing operations and track events. The 52-year-old has been with NASCAR for 14 years. Inclement weather on the Chicago street course forced NASCAR to declare Cole Custer the winner of the Loop 121 Xfinity Series race on Sunday afternoon. The event was postponed on Saturday due to lightning just three laps shy of the halfway mark and five laps shy of the completion of Stage 2. The rain persisted Sunday morning, forcing NASCAR's hand. Custer led all 25 laps of the event, earning his second victory of 2023. And this year's Daytona Arkhaminard Series winner Greg Van Alst will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut at the Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. The driver announced that CB Fabricating will sponsor his ride during Saturday's ALSCO Uniforms 250. Van Alst will pilot the number 44 Chevrolet Camaro for Alpha Prime Racing. Mike?
6: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll relive the Grant Park 220 in all of its glory with a new edition of a NASCAR Live Backtracks. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Coming into this weekend, there was not a soul in the NASCAR garage that knew what to expect with us racing on our first-ever street course. All the obstacles that Mother Nature threw at us, we still didn't know what would happen as cars were about to take the green flag. What did happen, though, was one of the best races of the season. Here's a NASCAR Live backtracks, Chicago-style. The NASCAR Cup Series on the streets of downtown Chicago, Illinois.
4: The Grant Park 220 is underway. Green flag is in the air. Denny Hamlin screams to turn number
0: one. Hamlin starting up front maintains the position, but Reddick squeezes his way down to driver's right. Here comes Tyler Reddick. He's got the advantage. And he drives deep into turn number four. By the time they move off turn five on the South Columbus, Reddick is in front. Here. Trouble
4: in the kink. Denny Hamlin has slid off and into the tire barrier. Hamlin, who was driving second, went wide to driver's left. He bounced it into the tire barrier. Kurt looks like he's going to lose a ton of
0: positions. Everybody begins filing by. In fact, the leaders have already left Lake Shore Drive, have left East Roosevelt Road. The front of the pack has already turned back around and headed up South Columbus. A lot of positions lost here early on for Denny Hamlin. Trouble, Kyle Busch, hard into the barrels, hard
8: into the barrels in turn six. He came in a little bit hot, locked up the front brakes. He has driven the Nose at that 3C machine underneath the tire barrier trying to back up but there's too much on the hood of that car. Rowdy Bush piles it into the tire fence in turn six.
4: Meanwhile in turn number nine a challenge and change for the race lead Christopher Bell goes by Tyler Reddick and C Bell the Oklahoma driver leads here in Chicago. Trouble turn six
8: Noah Gregson off course he's into the tire barrier trying to back out from underneath the tires get the job done. Oh, he's gonna burn it to the ground trying. Noah Gregson cannot separate himself from the tire barrier in turn six.
3: Christopher Bell exits turn number 11, climbs a hill to turn number 12. Stage one will be done as he makes the right hand 90 out on the front straightaway. This will be a stage win for Christopher Bell. His first stage win of 2023. Caution is on the speedway. It's for the Alex Bowman stalled car.
4: And I'm not so sure, Jeff, that that car may, that car is on fire. A lot of black smoke now beginning to billow out of the, looks like the side uh, of the wheel wells of those cars, or of that car, I should say. The Ally Bank Chevrolet from Hendrick Motorsports. And that'll effectively end stage number two when they get back to the start finish line. Christopher Bell will pick up the second stage win to go right along with his first stage win from earlier in today's race.
3: I'm just uh, being heard in your and my ear, NASCAR making it official here that this race will be complete. We will end this race on lap number 75 due to the darkness that will... uh, soon be settling in here in the Chicago area. So lap 75, this race is over, and uh, they have just changed our scoring monitor to reflect that there'll be 28 laps remaining in this event. As they race single
4: file, here is the scenario with the strategies. The front three drivers, Justin Haley, Austin Dillon, and Chase Elliott were last on pit road on lap number 31, older tires, and more importantly, far less fuel. Then from fourth back to position number 11, those drivers last pitted on lap 42. They have a little more fuel in the tank, but not as much as William Byron goes around the track, looks like it's gonna be blocked kevin harvick there's a bunch of cars involved jeff
3: yeah everybody is going to come to a stop caution out lajoy goes around eric Elmerola appears to be involved kevin harvick bubba wallace double turn
8: six tyler reddick piles it into the tire barrier he overcooked it
3: through turn 11 cleanly. Now up the hill to turn 12. Just a car like, oh, Austin Dillon will tag the inside of the
8: concrete barrier. He's going to give up a spot and then some problems for Austin Dillon. He's torn up the left front corner of that machine. He is badly off the pace, and that is Christmas come early for Justin Haley. His lead now is more than a second and a half as a race toward turn two. Van Gisbergen now, looking to driver's right. He pulls alongside it to Shane Van Gisbergen. take the number two
0: spot is Ax to turn two. Now sets his sights on race leader Justin Haley. Haley at the front coming into turn number three. He leads by three car lengths. Shane Van Gisbergen is closing ground. Headed off Lakeshore. Here he comes. Van Gisbergen just inches from the back bumper of the race leader.
8: Justin Haley, you better run for your life because the wolf is at the back door. Shane Van Gisbergen looking driver's right. Crosses over. Looks to the left. Under braking as they come into six he tries to do it the hard way there's nothing there he'll reform for another attack as they head for seven
4: takes a peek to inside here he comes oh the caution flag is out car hard into the tire barrier it looks like martin trex jr in turn number one perhaps maybe turn six shane van gisbergen made the move in turn number seven for the race lead the caution came out. It's Martin Trex Jr. in the tires in turn two. So Truex will
3: bring us under the caution flag with eight laps to go. Green flag goes back
8: in the air. Five laps to go. Justin Haley will lead him to turn one. Haley has the number one spot It's a storm across the start finish line. And here they come into turn number one. Haley has the lead in one. Now watch Van Gisbergen. He's done some great work heading for turn two. He's going to try it again. He's there. He's got the lead need in 2 shame
0: Gisbergen to the point as they exit out onto Lakeshore. Purple and white Chevrolet. Shane Van Gisbergen at the wheel showing the way as they come racing off the corner. Justin Haley won't go away that easily. Here's Haley now. He looks to the left. He looks to the right but he's second chasing after Van Gisbergen. Trouble
8: turn one. We've got a car in the wall trying to back out of the tire barrier. Let's see if he can do it. It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as Stenhouse not having any luck-freeing himself
4: caution on the speedway the for the ninth time today bubba wallace also has serious damage to the nose of his mcdonald's toyota not sure where that came from but it is completely crunched up but jeff
3: caution comes out looking like we may be going to overtime on the streets of chicago into overtime we go with a green white checkered finish Five Chevrolet
4: Camaros occupy the front five positions led by the New Zealand driver Shane Van Gisbergen to the Geico Restart Zone. Green flag in the air. He gets a good restart, but so does Justin Haley. They race to turn number one. Van
8: Gisbergen trying to take track house racing to victory lane to start the month of July. That's where they ended the month of June. He is away by a car link. Oh, a little bit of a bobble at the exit of turn number one, but he's back on the hammer and he's pulling away by two. Van
3: Gisbergen one more time out onto Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, Illinois. That is turn seven. He's through it, and he's through it cleanly. Now the right-hand run through turn number eight. The left-hand turn nine. The right-hand turn ten. He's all alone and headed to turn number 11. Underbreaking
4: setting up for turn number 11. The fans in the massive grandstands waving their way to give him the encouragement he needs. He's clean off 11 up the hill, headed for turn number 12. He'll stand on the brakes, downshift. Here's the car, sets it cleanly, checkered flag in the air in his first ever NASCAR Cup Series start. Shane Van Gisbergen, the New Zealand driver, wins on the streets of Chicago. Shane Van Gisbergen wins the Grant Park 220 in a fantastic drive for track house racing project 91 he comes from new zealand he comes to chicago and he will park the car in victory lane
6: coming up we'll chat with one of the big winners from this past weekend in chicago craftsman in your hand,
3: From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com.
2: This
6: is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The racing was fantastic this past weekend in Chicago. But the story of the winner was just as amazing. Australian V8 Supercar Series champion Shane Van Gisbergen won the race, making him the first driver to win in his Cup Series debut in over 60 years. The man who led SVG to Victory Lane was a name that many race fans will remember. Darian Grubb. We were able to catch
5: up with Darian to discuss his
6: return to Victory Lane
5: they are losing their minds down here in the track house team darian grubb congratulations back to victory lane describe your thoughts right now uh, just
9: so glad this kiwi came over and played with us he is an amazing driver put on a heck of a show Proud of everything that uh, Justin Marks has done to set this program up and hopefully we can continue to keep doing this and putting on a show like this. Incredible day.
0: Darian, first of all, congratulations.
9: Thank you very much. It's pretty uh, awesome to be a part of that event, the whole Project 91 group. Shane Van Gisbergen come over in his first start, pulling off the win at the inaugural street course race for NASCAR in Chicago. It, it was a really cool weekend. Uh, had a lot of buzz about it and I was able to really pull off a great show. So pretty awesome
0: weekend. I don't know how often you have had a chance to visit downtown Chicago, but what is it like for a fella that grew up as a young man in Floyd, Virginia? What were your impressions of of being right there in the middle of, of one of the world centers of commerce?
9: It was really cool. I mean, obviously I've been to a lot of cities and stuff before, but the buzz around the race and what was going on there, of course, we're walking down the streets, we're riding the subways, we're in uniform going to the racetrack and having people come up and ask you is like, hey man, how, how fast can you guys change tires? And you, you tell them nine seconds like, no, there's no way. And having them come to the racetrack and t- see the excitement that they had, it was just really cool. Introduced new fans and, and a whole new group to, to NASCAR racing. And from what I can
0: tell, everybody was having a really good time. So the race gets underway after a rain delay, of course, a lot of rain over the weekend in Chicago. And then we get, uh, after the del- delayed start, NASCAR realizes the Grant Park 220 probably isn't going to happen at the advertised distance. It became the Grant Park 165. So when your team and your driver had to restart back in 18th position with around 20 or 25 laps to go, what were you thinking at that point?
9: We knew it was gonna be close and we'd already been watching the time for the sunset. We knew that the buildings were mostly on the west side. So it was gonna get darker even earlier than the sunset posted time. So we knew we weren't going to make it to the 100 laps. We, we were trying to figure out, and of course, some of the guys were able to jump the previous caution and take the risk and the gamble because they didn't have the track position. At that point, we were in the top five, and we didn't want to risk it until we knew. And then NASCAR came out with the announcement, so we knew then we had to pit the next lap and be ready to go. It was a little disappointing to be in 18th at that time, but after lap one, when we went from 18th to 16th and saw the lap times coming up on the, the dash, we knew we had potential and then watching shane pick off one or two cars almost every lap after that it was more just sitting watching the show we had already finished our work for the day and getting to
0: watch him do his was amazing given the fact that shane van gisbergen is a three-time australian supercars champion but had never previously raced in the nascar cup series what about when we got to the point where the race was headed into overtime Was Shane well-versed in what those NASCAR rules are, or did you have to get on the headset and coach him a little bit?
9: he was well versed we had done a lot of preparation work ever since last friday and even up to 2 months ago sending him the rule books sending him some of the videos these are previous penalties these are previous restarts things like that that he's he's a student he studied every piece of data that we gave him he was ready there was a few things we confirmed just so he knew the situation he doesn't know how Justin Haley is in a do or die situation to make the playoffs and needs the win so those are the type of details we gave him just so he knew that the possible desperation move could be there. And he was able to just drive away, he did an incredible job on the restart and
0: just amazing laps all the way around. I know that Shane said in his post-race interviews that he had to get back uh, home. Of course, a native of New Zealand and races in Australia. He said, I've got to get back to my real job. With that said, Is there a chance that NASCAR fans, do you think, will we get to see more of Shane Van Gisbergen in the Project 91 car at some point down the road? I think there is potential. I know
9: Justin has been talking about it. I don't think it'll be this year because I think most of the races are conflicts with his season there. But I'm sure there is something next year we'll be looking forward towards to to see if there is something that's out there that we could put him in the car again. Because obviously, he's an incredible talent. We knew that before it ever happened. And to see the crossover between the Supercar fans and the NASCAR fans, too, has been really amazing. Uh, You see a lot of stuff on Twitter with those guys using it for promotion with the NASCAR and, and vice versa. So hopefully we can just keep growing all of our fan bases by having this crossover between the series.
0: Do you believe, Darian, after what you saw in Chicago this weekend, despite the challenges with the weather, do you believe that there could be more street course racing in NASCAR's future? I could see it for sure. I have to say it was an extremely well-run
9: show. Everything was planned out to the T. Every area was exactly as it needed to be to put on a good show. All the extra people they brought in for extra security and gate control and the, the fans going in and out, I think they were able to see a really good race. And the way they had the stands set up, I think everybody had a good view of portions of the race course. You see people in their condos on the 17th story watching the race and it's just really cool to see so knowing that we can take that into any city environment now to do a street course race and do it safely there was a lot of drama every lap somebody was hitting tire barriers or hitting the wall that that's what the fans tune in for so i I definitely see that that could be something we could take on the road anywhere
0: how about track house racing and and i know okay you're obviously you're part of the track house team so you're partial i get that but setting that part aside just Objectively, given some of the organizations you have worked for in your career, I mean, you've worked for Stuart Haas, you've worked for Hendrick Motorsports, you've worked for Joe Gibbs Racing. The things you see firsthand happening at Trackhouse, is Trackhouse Racing one of the ways of the future from an ownership standpoint in this sport?
9: I definitely think so. And it's the vision that Justin Marks has. Of the culture, the environment, having the people here that really want to do this. It's about the passion. And that comes together in a, it's something like this with Project 91, where this is a side project for all of us. We all have regular jobs every day that we have to do to help the one, the 99 team do their best. And then we put the extra effort in to do something like this Project 91. We're using the same parts, borrowing parts from friends down the street and some other things too to make this happen. And when it does, we put it all together and we pull off the win. It just gives you an extra sense of pride and, and more tight knit community of your coworkers and your friends. And it really is something that we take pride in and we put it together. And I hope it's something we can carry into a lot of other projects in the future.
6: Coming up, we'll revisit some of the best NASCAR moments to take place on Independence Day. And later, we'll preview the racing weekend in Atlanta. This is NASCAR live now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR live pretty much since its inception. NASCAR has been associated with the 4th of July for decades. The firecracker 400 at Daytona would always take place on the 4th while NASCAR eventually got away from the exact date. There still have been recent memories of NASCAR fireworks on independence day, both in Daytona and at America's national park of speed road, America, Susie Armstrong, Takes us on a trip down memory lane.
10: Cookouts, fireworks, and the Firecracker 400. For decades, that was Independence Day in the world of NASCAR.
3: It could be a photo finish as they come across the line. Pearson is in front. Petty goes to the outside. David Pearson has won it. David Pearson has won by maybe three feet. Teddy came up the outside, he ran out of room, and Pearson has won this race. He came across the line at over 130
10: miles an hour by just about three feet. Just like David Pearson did at Daytona in 1972, NASCAR delivered fantastic races on the 4th of July for years. The sport's tradition of racing on the holiday began in 1959 where the event was originally only 250 miles, but would expand to 400 in 1963. Of course, a lot has changed since then, but still many correlate the holiday with racing at Daytona, including NASCAR Cup Series regular, A.J. Allmendinger.
11: I feel like it's synonymous with NASCAR. You know, for so many years, we did it at Daytona and you just knew 4th of July weekend, that's where you were going to be. And we've moved it around now. It was at Road America, now being here in Chicago. 4th of July, is it's American, right? Like, it's it's like that's what it is. And I don't know, NASCAR racing, it's American. This is what we do. So I don't know. Like, I just feel like for all of us, I mean, we're just so used to it and and we have a lot of fun with it.
10: Allmendinger is right. A lot of fun has been had on the holiday when it comes to on-track action one of the most iconic fourth of july races transpired in 1984 when a special guest made history
6: mr president why don't we go ahead we're not going to hold up any longer let's start the engine sir
1: all right
12: gentlemen start your engines
10: President Ronald Reagan gave the command from the sky in Air Force One. Once he landed, he became the first president to attend a NASCAR event. As the day came to an end, President Reagan wasn't the only one who made history.
6: Yarrow down low, Petty's up the banking Yarrow pulls up in front of him, Petty right up on his bumper, points his nose down inside they race back to the checkers, the lap
8: car head. Petty right down to the apron, Still side by side. Richard drafts down to the bottom
3: of the racetrack, they are door to door in the dog leg, they touch, coming to the trial down to the line, it is I can't call that one, it is so close Petty almost lost it as they tagged again as they crossed the
8: start finish line, they take the caution. It's Richard Petty by a foot, Petty wins his
10: 200th career NASCAR victory as he and kale yarborough come together coming down into the trial the king put on a show as he won not only his 200th race but what would be the final victory of his storied career this was just one of many memorable moments that have transpired on our nation's birth date but just like many things the sport made a change up until 1988 the Firecracker 400 ran on Independence Day, and starting that year would be moved to the first weekend of July. Fast forward nearly a decade following the 1997 season, the race would no longer run in the morning. It would remain in Daytona, but now occur at night under the lights. Since the date change, we've only witnessed six National Series events on the actual 4th of July, three Xfinity and three Cups. One that stands out to many is the 2009 Coke Zero 400. The conclusion of that event delivered one exciting finish.
3: Tony Stewart all over the back end of Kyle Busch, literally pushing him off turn number four. Jimmy Johnson is there as well.
0: Top three, nose to tail, Denny Hamlin goes for. Tony looks to make the move. He swings to the high side. Kyle blocks. Tony gets it to Kyle. He hits the wall. Tony Stewart is going to win the Coke Zero 400. And several more cars spin at the start-finish line. A spectacular move, but you knew it was going to be something like that.
10: NASCAR would continue to celebrate 4th of July weekend in Daytona up until 2020. Even though the race wasn't run on the 4th, the Indianapolis Road Course would host the sport for that date for one season. The next year on Independence Day, the Cup Series made its return to a track for the first time since 1956. It's been 23,702 days since the NASCAR
4: Cup Series last race here in Wisconsin at Road America and that's about to change. Aaron Jones running back of the Green Bay Packers puts the green flag in the air and we're racing
10: at Road America. With a beautiful forecast in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, NASCAR's most popular driver took home the checkers.
0: The fans in turn 13 are loving it. Chase Elliott coming out of the Final corner making his way down into turn number 14. All alone, nobody around him. Chase Elliott looking to go back into the history books. The new
3: king of road course racing in NASCAR up the hill for the final time. A win at the historic Road America added to the resume of Chase Elliott. Up the hill, checkered flag is out. Everybody is on their feet and Chase Elliott has won here this afternoon in Wisconsin, his seventh road course win. 13th On his career and second of 2021, Chase Elliott
10: has done it again. NASCAR is still trying to figure out what the 4th of July staple should be on the schedule. Three of the last four weekends have been at different locations. Team Penske's Austin Center loves the idea of the event being symbolic, but believes there has to be consistency with the schedule.
13: I think when it comes to the 4th of July, I think everyone thinks that NASCAR is a very American sport. You know, we just took a NASCAR to Le Mans, and everyone thought it was the most American thing on the planet. You know, listening to a V8 and going around a racetrack and, you know, being a big, heavy car, and that's what we get to experience every weekend. So from a, from a global perspective, yeah, I think it's important for us to be very well represented on July 4th. As far as my, my opinion, I think it is a big enough holiday throughout the country that, you know, you probably should have a, you know, normal event planned for for that. It should be a predictable race year to year that's on July 4th. I think that's fair because it is a, you know, a time that everyone has off and can go plan trips and do whatever they want with their families, including come to a NASCAR race. So I think it should be probably a a more traditionally scheduled event, you know, looking into the future. If someone was to ask me, that'd be my opinion.
10: Even though racing on our nation's birthday has been a rarity of late over the years nascar's rich history has provided us no shortage of fireworks during the fourth of july weekend
6: thank you suzy coming up we'll hear what chase elliott michael mcdowell and austin cendrick are expecting under the lights at atlanta motor speedway this weekend
11: the spirit of performance is what defines acura and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: This is NASCAR
6: Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live after a trip up to the Windy City this weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Head to Atlanta. What are drivers expecting and what could be viewed as an opportunity race for drivers looking to win their way into the playoffs? Kyle Ricky has more.
7: After a first of its kind in the Windy City, NASCAR now heads back to the Southeast for their second trip of the season to the Atlanta Motor Speedway. This return trip to Atlanta also officially marks the start of the second half of the season, as Chicago was race number 18 of 36. The Quaker State 400 has a wrinkle that we haven't seen at Atlanta in a while. It will be a night race. Georgia native Chase Elliott is in favor of this
14: move and would like to see even more races under the lights during the hot summer months. I think it should be a night race, much like the majority of these summer races should be. You know, I, when I saw this race was a night race and Atlanta was a night race, I'm like, dang, was somebody actually listening to something that I <laughs> something that I said? Probably not, but nonetheless, uh, this time of year is just... It's hot, you know. Like you know, for the drivers, it it is what it is. It's hot every week for us. But uh, for the people sitting in the grandstands, I mean, goodness, it's 95 degrees out here in the summer and sitting in bleachers. Like there is no reason to be roasting on a on a Sunday afternoon when this facility has lights. Uh, and, and and same for Atlanta. That just makes no sense. There's basketball season's over. You know, baseball is on TV, of course, through this time of year. But it's regional coverage anyway, and they're hard to watch. So from a TV standpoint, I don't really think. There's any excuse for that. Would love to see these events be on Saturday night instead of Sunday night for people that have to go to work on on Monday morning. But I just don't see any reason why we shouldn't have more night races during these months where it's so hot for the spectators and, and the people here to uh, to enjoy it more.
7: Elliott won this race last year, but faced stiff competition from Corey LaJoy. While LaJoy wasn't able to finish that race, he has top fives in two other races at the new Atlanta leading many to say this is his best racetrack. Does Corey agree? Oh, I mean, statistically, yeah. We've brought some really good cars there. I think one of our strengths
9: is a team, we have not qualified great there. And I think that it's a little bit more calculated than a speedway. I think handling does come into play a bit more, and you can time your track position you can actually go get track position you can make some passes as guys start to have mishandle in race cars because they trim their stuff out for straight line speed so i think it puts a little it's like a super speedway with a little bit more driving technique than daytona or talladega still equally as much chance i think but um you gotta have a good driving race car and you, you can also be calculated a little bit more so than talladega or daytona but Yeah, uh, that's the one we have circled.
7: As LaJoy said, this repaved Atlanta is a completely different track than what drivers had known Atlanta to be. Do drivers have a good handle on the new Atlanta, Giving this will be the fourth race on the new surface? Michael McDowell says things are still changing.
14: No, I think it's changing. I think that the track probably threw us all for a little bit of a loop of just how much it aged in a year and how the grip level changed. So the first two races were, you know, you you didn't really know exactly what to expect. But I feel like now we have at least uh, a pretty good understanding of what we need to bring back and things we need to do better. It it has that element of drafting and runs and pushing and all that. Um, It's not like that's not there. Um, But I think handling is is more of a legitimate factor that you have to take in for this race, um, especially as hot as it's going to be.
7: Even though the track is losing some of its grip, it is still expected to deliver racing similar to what we see at Daytona and Talladega. The team that has many considered to be gold standard when it comes to that style of racing is Team Penske. Joey Logano won at Atlanta in the spring, and his teammate Austin Sindrick was also in contention. Sindrick currently sits 22nd in the point standings, and with only eight races remaining until the playoffs, a win would be welcome at any time. Given his team's success at Atlanta in the spring, the 2022 Cup Series Rookie of the Year is viewing Atlanta as one of the best chances to get that win.
13: I probably view Atlanta as much of an opportunity race as, as anybody else in the field, you know, whenever you have races like that. and The opportunity for track position and drafting and, and, and making decisions in a pack, all those things come into play. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a far stretch of the imagination to say that we were the dominant company when we went there in, in the spring. You know, all of our cars were extremely fast, ran up front, you know, led the bottom lane for the rest of the race. And I think that the track's gonna be a lot different. We talk about a daytona and it kind of makes somewhat of a difference, but I think Atlanta makes quite a bit of a difference due to the track size and the corner radius you know we i was wearing a winter coat um when i was there in march and everybody knows how hot it is in, in south georgia in the middle of the summer so it, it, granted it is a night race yeah i, I think the the handling differences are going to be quite a bit different than, than the spring race a driver who sits just a few
7: slots above Cindric in the standings is aj allmendinger A.J. is 19th in points, 24 back of Ty Gibbs for the final playoff spot. Given the points battle he's in and the chaos that could ensue at Atlanta, will a driver like Almendinger race any differently? The answer to that would be a pretty firm no. As Almendinger says, as long as his team continues to bring fast race cars to
11: the track, the point situation will take care of itself. I haven't even hardly even looked at the points all year. You know, I, I feel like it, we... For the first half of the season, we had some bad luck at the races that we were running well at, and then other races we just weren't very good, just in general. So I haven't really paid attention to the points. You know, I, you know, now I see it that we've gotten closer, but I still have the same mindset of I'm just trying to maximize the best finish possible every weekend. And, and the last few weeks, fortunately, we've, we've had more speed in the race cars, uh, so it's we've had some better finishes, and but we got to keep working at that. If, if we run well. I feel like the points will take care of themselves, so I don't even worry
7: about it. So will we see another surprise winner following up what Shane Van Gisbergen was able to do in Chicago on Sunday? With five playoff spots still open for race winners, Sunday night could be a wild race with drivers desperate for a
6: win chasing the checkered flag in the Quaker State 400. Thank you, Kyle. That Atlanta preview was brought to you by Wheelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll hear from Ryan Sparks, Corey LaJoy's crew chief, as they head to their best racetrack. And later, we'll close the show by revisiting an Atlanta classic from 1986.
8: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
6: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. One year ago, Corey LaJoy and Spire Motorsports almost shocked the NASCAR world by winning at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. With improved speed, they should be in contention again this weekend. Corey's crew chief Ryan Sparks joins Steve Post and Todd Gordon on this week's MRN crew call to discuss what's it gonna take to get the win this weekend.
5: Ryan, the late Sunday night. Um I, I think we'll dissect the race a little bit, but the challenges of the event, the ups, the goods, the bads, the Chicago street course—just what is what is your take from kind of a big picture? Uh, getting getting things done up at Chicago this past weekend.
12: You know, I think the the weather just kind of put a damper on everything a little bit, and maybe put a bad taste in some people's mouth. But overall, what an awesome event! You know, NASCAR logistically did an excellent job. Everything was. Uh, pretty fluent and and easy, you know, to move around and, and be where you needed to be. So super proud to be a part of just kind of the NASCAR family. And, and they did a heck of a job and I,
1: it was so exciting. I'm ready to go back. Talk about the racetrack that you got to race on, because as I watched it from home, because I, I wasn't there, but you had dry areas and that. It seemed like like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 range stayed wet most of the race. So there's a challenge and understand how to manage those two. Talk about the race course you had. What was really unbelievable for me
12: is, you know, we see all the content and the data, the sim data, all you know, the weeks coming up to it, but just seeing the cars on track and how much they bounce around and move around, it was incredible how rough it was. Which, uh, you know, just kind of put more of the driver into it than than setup. Really, they just kind of had to overcome. The cars didn't drive great but uh, it was really neat. And then you cross that bridge going to the seven and it's downhill to eight, nine, 10. And like I said, you'd see puddles all day there. So you had to be super mindful of that and uh, make sure when you got your dry tires on, you kind of dodge the puddles and and it was obviously stayed slick all day.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and we watched that. I, I watched you guys kind of bounce your way forward. Little pit strategy there later in the race is uh, talk about that call. Cause uh, coming, what was it? 41 or 42. There were, I think nine of you that came at that point, but I think everybody had to be seeing that sunset was going to be 829. There was no way you were making it to a hundred, right?
12: Yeah. We, we kind of knew that we got ourselves in trouble early uh, with a spin. And so I knew I, I wanted to do opposite of what the leaders did to be able to get the most track position and whether they shortened the race or not. When I came right there, we were going to save fuel. We were going to go as long as we could and hope that the ra- uh, race would be shortened. So after we pitted NASCAR changed the length of the race, which was fortunate for us, which You know, a lot of others, unfortunate, but uh, we'll take it any way we can get it. And, uh, you know, was able to capitalize on a a few mistakes we made,
1: honestly. I'd say 14th, a decent run, knowing you overcame some things. I thought you ran forward, farther forward than that at times, Uh, you know, just to see where things go. Decent run here. Uh, What, 11th at COTA? Thoughts about the last two road course events, you know, at Indian Watkins Glen this year? You know, I've probably been... a pretty hard on Corey to
12: try to improve uh at road courses you know just his angle of attack his braking techniques and stuff like that and he's really honed in on it and, and put a lot of effort in so used to when we were like you know we could go to a road course we just kind of wanted to survive and keep it on the track now it's you know we're we're excited to make more pace and and be up there and 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 be in the mix for these races get some stage points because that's really the next thing we need to do to kind of elevate our team is to be able to
1: get stage points each and every week I know you were on the pit box and probably didn't get to watch the, the the broadcast like I did, but the foot camera of SVG uh, interesting, because he uses clutches on downshifts. Uh, It might be interesting for you to dig back at. It's just a, it's different than what we've seen out of our guys, but obviously his breaking zones were phenomenal.
12: Yeah, absolutely. And also in corner exit, you know, he'd drag that crutch a little bit, a clutch a little bit, just to kind of give himself some four drive. And it's just a, kind of habit those guys are used to and I used to watch Max Pappas do that a lot and talk about it so interesting techniques uh coming from a different world that we'll definitely look into for sure
5: oh I know you guys will when we look at the big picture Ryan your average finish last year was 24.3 your average finish this year is 19.1 that's plus 5.2 I guess it is what are you guys doing what's 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 been the key to 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 jump in five point point five position average finish is, is pretty impressive. What have you guys been doing to accomplish that? Uh,
12: not sleeping. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of hard work uh, goes into these race cars and we go to battle each and every week with 33 people in our shop that uh, including the road crew and shot guys that, uh, that take two cup cars to the racetrack each and every week. So yeah, um, We've just been pushing. Last year, we learned about a lot about these cars and, you know, we did a lot of studying in the offseason and, and Chevrolet has afforded us uh, some more tools and and simulation time at their facility. So, you know, kudos to them for for giving us that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think Corey's coming into his own a little bit and, you know, it's just everything's kind of lining up, but it's a lot of hard work and and we're excited to be a part of it.
5: Well, I know one of the races that you have got to have on your calendar circled is this coming weekend at Atlanta. You guys have a couple of top five finishes there. Um, just, just uh, you know, how, how critical is this race, and, and and how do you prepare for a race uh, where you where expectations are so high?
12: Yeah, these races where you go in thinking you really have a shot—that's typically when something goes wrong or out of the ordinary. So we'll we'll treat it business as usual, prepare as best we can, and. I'll be super aggressive on strategy and 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 fuel and and things like that, and we'll only spend the amount of time on pit road as we as we need fuel, pretty much. So, Corey has uh, found his little niche at Atlanta and seems to always make his way to the front. So, I just want to be able to give him another opportunity to to shine, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can pull off that first win.
6: Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Steve. You can hear that full conversation on MRN Crew Call when it drops on Wednesday. Coming up, we'll close out the show by flashing back to the 1986. MotorCraft 500 at Atlanta. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. The MRN time machine is dialed up and ready to send us back to March 16th, 1986. It was the Motorcraft 500 at the Atlanta Motor Speedway.
8: Busts free from the pack. He's back to within a car length and a half with the leader, Shepard. Another car length and a half back to Levante in
14: third. Earnhardt charging down here hard through the speedy drive where the sh- freighter car was there. Nose to tail through the turn. Shepherd's going to have to take it right down. Earnhardt's almost on the flat part of the track, trying to go underneath. Good battle midfield. Bobby Allison took a spot away from Richard Petty. Here they come off turn number four. Single file,
1: and Earnhardt is there. He is just one car length back of the race leader. Terry Labonte is third. Walter is fourth. Elliott's fifth.
8: Those cars tightening up in a hurry. Earnhardt right there on the rear deck lid of the Morgan Shepard car. Earnhardt looks to the inside off turn two. Shepard says, uh-uh, you're not getting that groove. They'll come single file off the corner.
14: It may be whoever can go lowest through the turns is going to be the one who wins it. Here's Shepard. They come in high. They drop down to the white line and Earnhardt is on the flat part of the racetrack. Slides back up. He could be in trouble if he hits that too hard. If
3: that's going to be the case, both those cars are going to finish in a dead heat because they can both run right on the apron of the track. Two laps to go as they head back to turn number one as Dale Earnhardt, just a couple of car lengths away from Morgan Shepard.
8: And those front two cars have now four car lanes. on Labonte, who is nose to tail with Walchip and Elliott off turn two. Earnhardt right there in the tire tracks of
14: Shepard. Shepard and Earnhardt are going to be the show here as we come down. Earnhardt drops off a half a car leg. Here's Shepard down to the low side of the racetrack. Earnhardt way down on the apron again below the white line halfway and back up on the bumper Shepherd. Shepard. Earnhardt was almost on the flat
1: coming off the corner. Harold Kinder waves the white flag. We're on the last lap of the Motorcraft 500. Shepard, Earnhardt, Labonte, Waltrip and Elliott to turn one. What
8: a show here in Atlanta. Still everybody holding their positions. The front two, Earnhardt. Somewhat out of shape as he really tries to cut the corner, he can't get the jump off the turn. Shepard leads by a car length on the backstretch.
14: Shepard coming down the backstretch, high entrance into turn three. Here he is. This is the last chance. Morgan Shepard hanging on tight. Earnhardt is loose, trying to get way down underneath Morgan Shepard.
3: Dale Earnhardt brings it right to the bottom of the racetrack. Can't do anything. The car slips up a little bit, and Morgan Shepard is going to get his biggest win ever as he wins the Motorcraft 500, a couple of car lengths ahead
6: of Dale Earnhardt. You can hear that race in its entirety. This week by subscribing to mrn classic races wherever you get your podcast folks that's all the time we have for you for today we'd like to thank ryan sparks for joining us and also our thanks to all that made this weekend's racing in chicago a huge success for the rest of the mrn team i'm mike bagley we thank you for joining us as well don't forget nascar live wide open coming up on thursday and our racing weekend at mid ohio this weekend as well, Happy Independence Day, everybody, and we'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everyone. NASCAR Live
2: is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.